Hi and welcome to Family Matters, real talk about divorce, separation and everything in between. My name's Mandeep Sahota and I'm Sarah Khan-Bashir and together we run SKB Law. That, that seems to be one of the biggest fears you see of my clients, um, that how do I prove that he has that asset or she has that asset? Um, it, it's, a lot of people won't bother with financial remedy proceedings or uh, um, is it worth it? Is it worth using a forensic accountant? Hi and welcome back to episode five of Family Matters. In this episode, Sarah talks to forensic accountant Zach Iqbal and answers that question, is it worth using a forensic accountant during your divorce? Stay tuned as they share insights about dividing your finances or what you can do if you think your partner is undervaluing or hiding assets. Thank you for your time today. Um, I know very small amounts about you, just over text that, that you know that we've sort of swapped. Um, and it's I know we've been wanting to have a conversation for a while, but we've started doing some podcasts around sort of family law and all the different sort of threads that come out of that. And one of the questions that comes up a lot, uh, especially in finances, is forensic accounting. So I thought, well, who better to speak to than Zach? If you could just give us a little introduction about yourself, who you are, uh, and what it is that you actually do now. Okay. Um, <clears throat> by profession, I'm a chartered accountant. Uh, and I've been qualified for, gosh, more than 40 years now. Um, oh my gosh, you don't look <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I, I commenced my career with a firm that's now known as Deloitte's. Yes. Uh, I was a trainee accountant there, qualified with them, and then went to another firm called Pamela Kerr Forster. Believe it or not, there's not many people, kids on the playground, that say, I want to be a chartered accountant. <laughs> I don't think so, no. <laughs> I don't want to be fighter pilots or footballers or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. at 16, 17, I said, no, it's a career that I would like to go into and try to get into one of the major practices, which mm-hmm. I was fortunate to do. And things were different then, you know. Um, mm. I walked into Deloitte office in Leeds, 450 employees, and not a coloured soul amongst them, which was mm. uh, quite in- intimidating. Quite daunting, but, yeah. But what I specialise in now is is, is um, a slightly more defined area, which is matrimonial law. I do a lot of that. I do business and share valuations i do professional negligence type of claims um and intellectual property right and the valuation of intellectual property because that's a very specialist area i said i'd like to be involved with uh, family law uh, because i need to see some sort of restitution uh, being applied particularly where financial division is concerned. And so therefore, I I embarked, I enjoy it. So for those of uh, the audience who are listening, who are not actually sure what a forensic accountant does, can you explain to them what what, what, what it is, your, what your job is? Get my teeth back in. Can you explain what a forensic accountant in matrimonial proceedings will do? Yeah. 
A friendly accountant basically, in a nutshell, provides the ammunition for the legal team to work with, particularly in the areas of a business valuation, for example, or the wealth of a couple. In a typical case, what normally happens is that, you know, in a divorcing situation, um, the husband say may say I'm worth only two million pounds for argument's sake, and the wife says it's twenty million pounds. Right? Somebody has to come along and say, well, based on all the detailed examination of all the uh, uh, paperwork, etc., then the likely value is likely to be something else. It's perhaps not two million. And it might not be 20, but something. And that is then put forward to the court. Of course, all oh, this is subject to challenge by the, uh, the other party. So it's 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 microscopic in some aspects, but macro in others, because once you got to a ballpark figure, you can say, well, it's roughly this amount that it's worth. But the other area is, 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 is something like, uh, particularly in, in today's world, where People who are marrying want to uh, prepare a prenuptial agreement. And I get a lot of instructions where, for example, one party, recently the case I did in Leeds, where uh, uh, the wife born and bred in Yorkshire worth X amount of money, and she wants to protect that interest. So mm -hmm. in the prenuptial agreement, basically somebody had to value her wealth. This included her business, the shares in the business, uh, other assets, and total wealth. And the prenuptial agreement was set was, was so designed that that on the marriage day we had a value of her wealth. Mm. Right. So that in the event if they did divorce, then then her husband would not be entitled to to, to that amount, the mm. fixed amount. Now if they created wealth, yeah, in this case let's say it's three million pounds, if they created wealth let's went to five million then he would only share in the two million the difference between her wealth at the start of, of the marriage yeah so uh, that, that's part of the, the remit in the matrimonial the other thing is um people um, have they know that their business they've had it for a long time and they want to value it for not just not just matrimonial purpose but for perhaps inheritance tax and those kind of things mm. The other thing I look at is, is I look at accounts. Now, this is my work as a chartered accountant. Sometimes people will, will say, do this, there's a set of accounts that a party in the proceedings have produced to us. Tell us what you think. And what I do is I look at initially took take an overview of these accounts and and ask myself, do they look all right? Do they look, do they make sense? And it, gauges, it also gives me a very good impression of the quality of the accounts in terms of who's prepared them, whether they're, mm. you know, legally compliant. And that tells a big story. Uh, and I can tell straight away within an hour or so whether I'm, I can trust those figures to some degree, right? Mm. Or whether I think it's absolute rubbish, yeah? And if, if the case is rubbish, then the next function is, can you critically examine these? And I do that type of work as well. Right. That, that's quite interesting. I mean, because a lot of the sort of financial cases that we deal with uh, are often, we often have accounts prepared by 
the respondent's own accountant. And, you know, at first glance, if, if we don't have someone like yourself that we can sort of get to second opinion from, you know, you would accept them at face value than an accountant has prepared them. And let's face it, I mean, you probably know more about this more than me, but an accountant can only prepare uh, accounts based upon receipts he's received. So if there's any concealment of that, is that something that you can dig into? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm being a case at the moment where, uh, again, it's a Leeds case where the husband in this case has provided a set of accounts that are absolute garbage, to put it quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> we are not accepting those accounts. Now, the, the trouble with accountants, unfortunately, is that anybody can call themselves an accountant. There's no right. statutory protection. Oh. Yeah, so it's something, So, but, you, but people can't call them a chartered accountant, right? Mm. Because that's a member of the Institute of Chartered Accountants sure. in Wales. Mm. And particularly in our Yorkshire area, there are so many firms that have no qualifications in accountancy whatsoever. They're not regulated by anybody. Yeah. As a lawyer, you're regulated by the SRA and you work to strict guidelines. And, 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 and chartered accountants do the same through the Institute of mm. Chartered Accountants. But these people who practice and provide advice and provide documents that are are relied upon by banks, HMRC, etc, etc, have no qualifications and they're almost free to do whatever they want. The, the art of looking at something, a, a set of books, a set of accounts, in the first instance saying, I'm afraid they don't make sense to me, I'm a logical person, they don't make sense to me, there must be something wrong somewhere. <laughs> yeah. We've certainly seen um, respondents, husbands or wives who, who are the opposite, you know, um, to our clients, produce reports that say that the business is actually worth nothing now because of the pandemic and the impact of that. But isn't there an argument that the business itself could hold an intrinsic value, you know, should trading start again. Like you mentioned, the brand might be worth something. The actual business itself, if it started functioning, there's a, there's a value to that. Yeah, I mean, if it's got, if a business has a long history of trading, that goes immensely in helping to come to a, um, <clears throat> to a different conclusion based on normal activity in a normal circumstances. Sure, sure. Um, and in terms of sort of the, the cases that you've dealt with, um, have you got any one example that sticks out in your mind in terms of, you know, one of the spouses trying to conceal their assets? And it, it, were you sort of a case that you might have been instrumental in covering those concealed assets? Yeah, I did a case in 2015, 2016, where we had a very, very successful builder in, in Fulham. Fulham is quite a an affluent area mm. in London, and he went about in trying to deceive the, the, initially the lawyers. The lawyers are involved, and, and I got instructed uh, to have a look at a set of accounts. Mm. And I said, I've got some concerns about these, right? Okay, because he had actually prepared for divorce, right? And some of the things he did were that we had a, build, uh, a business that was very successful, and then suddenly it went down the hill. Right. Right. For in, so uh, when he was caught, in this case, he was uh, uh, caught with his mistress, then 
back then began a, a series of events that led to the business showing not usually successful. So what he'd actually done was set up other companies under the control of his mother and father and and passed income through that, mm. right? And okay, on register at the company's house, the parents owned the business. There's no question about that. Yeah. And we successfully argued, or the lawyers successfully argued, that if you combine these companies together over which he has ultimate control, right? Yeah, and say so, then his mm. wealth is something else. Yeah, right? yeah. And this eventually was settled. This, I think the, the, the wife wanted 20 million pounds, okay? And it was settled at about 10. Mm. And, and had it not been the judge accepting through, oh, this went on for days as to how this man had actually deliberately uh, um, uh, uh, windmilled his money through other companies and put them together and held that he didn't control anything. Mm. The judge ultimately accepted that he was the ultimate controlling party and therefore all those companies were taken into consideration. Right. So you mentioned that he prepared for divorce, okay? Yeah. So that was one of the sort of one of the questions I wanted to ask you as a forensic accountant and the sort of experiences you've had within matrimonial forensic accounting is that if someone was contemplating divorce and they hadn't yet divorced, they hadn't announced to anyone, they hadn't spoken to a lawyer, but it was something that's on their mind. But their main concern, as seems to be with a lot of clients that we speak to, is that I probably won't get anything because he or she will conceal and endeavour to try and hide and I won't be able to prove it. What would you say to a client who's thinking like that? Okay, there are there are essentially two types of forensic accountants. One that accept documents and say we're playing reliance on these, knowing, you know, in the in, in certain cases that these have been prepared by an unqualified person who's not regulated by anything. We'll accept those and that's the end of it. Then there's those that say, yeah, we'll have a look at these and if they look all right, we will we will we will kind of still you know we were skeptical but accept them and mm. don't say listen i'm not accepting these because this is the reason why i'm not accepting these okay so most businesses yeah can compare with other businesses now right. in the old days the hmrc produced a set of notes so if you had a florist let's say in bradford right and they would know what sort of trading results that florist would would provide right, okay? Right, okay okay now every business would be compared with that known florist that was on this etc etc right. right so from there they'll say this is doing rather well than the average one that we expect we'll have a look at that mm. or we'll do this is doing rather badly compared to what we expect why so those are questions so anything like that you would look at it critically examine. Now, there are people who will do um, whatever it takes to preserve their wealth, yeah? And go through a series of perhaps 
sort of advice, you know, down at the local mosque or whatever. If you do this, <laughs> you do that, then you'll be all right. Yeah. But generally speaking, those very people will ultimately be caught out. Yeah. Because things yeah. will not stack up. If yeah. you, you trace it and you go behind the scenes, they will not stack up. Somewhere mm. they'll, they've got, the thing is they have to cover every post, every position. Yeah. But, Often can't. I mean, we have seen, I've certainly heard and noted judges who um, have dealt with financial remedy matters and have made the comments that they don't believe the set of accountants, you know, with or without a forensic report that has been um, put before them and have threatened clients that if you don't come clean uh, and provide full and frank disclosure, then I have no choice than to report you to the the authorities, the HMRC or whoever it may yeah. be. So they're getting quite wise to the fact that, you know, anyone preparing sort of accounts that don't stack up, um, you know, they'll have, they have won't, won't take a second opinion or a second guess to report them to someone else. So the courts are knuckling down, it seems, on uh, any sort of dubious disclosure that, that is put before them and trying to maybe do a bit of forensic accounting by themselves. But that, that seems to be one of the biggest fears you see of my clients, um, that how do I prove that he has that asset or she has that asset? Um, it, it's, a lot of people won't bother with financial remedy proceedings or uh, at least closing a closure after divorce in terms of finances because they just feel that they won't be able to prove. They, they had no knowledge of their partner's financial matters um, and they won't be able to sort of prove that he had or she had X, Y, and Z. So those are the kind of clients that we sort of have to assist quite a lot. So my question to you next is, um, is it worth it? Is it worth using a forensic accountant? The, the, the simple answer to that is, if there's any material wealth involved, yeah, then you would, and you, you're a spouse, and, 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 and you, spouses know within reason as to what the other person is worth, right? And the, the things that give it away is wherever you live, the car you drive, the yeah. business you have, etc. They're indicators that there is an element of wealth involved, right? Now, the, the thing is, if you, if you have reason to believe that there's more wealth involved than that is being led to be, the courts are being led to believe, then the answer is yes. And it's, it's ultimately would be worth it. But on the other hand, if somebody has very little wealth, then the cost of hiring a forensic account is completely disproportionate to the value of the wealth at stake. And, and, and it becomes a disproportionate exercise that yeah. you spend so much money and time in trying to prove somebody's poor wealth. You know, sure. it just doesn't work. So yeah, absolutely. you have to have a, good a advice. very good idea. Yeah. yeah, that's really good advice. So if that was a situation and you were dealing or a client was dealing with only a few assets, but even those few assets were, were they were finding hard to uh, find proof of, what would your advice be to that client? Um, well, I, I, I do asset tracing exercises with, 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 the, with relevant individuals that I can call upon. 
Um, and so it, the asset has to be of material value, so otherwise mm. it's not it's no good looking for a two thousand pound car. It just <laughs> that just won't work, yeah. right? Um, or even a sixty thousand pound car. That's so it's a HP, but yeah. real asset, perhaps a property that's not declared uh, anyway, or or even property that may be on somebody else's name, but they have control over it. Um, a business where they have shares in, etc. So all those kind of things, individual might be small bits, but put together, they might be material. And then mm. you would certainly have a look at that. Are there any assets that you would say are often overlooked as having a value? Sometimes personal jewellery is overlooked, right? And, mm. and and I think the four media claims it over five hundred pounds. That's that right. Put down here. Yeah. yeah. Now you know you know uh, for the husband, yeah. Let's say in a dowry situation, then he may have provided some dowry to the wife, which has uh, a greater value than five hundred pounds just by the the contents of the gold mm. that's involved mm. in there. Um, yeah. And I think. There's a case going through the courts at the moment, isn't there? Somebody, That's right. Um, do you know the outcome of that? Has that been, has that been no, there? I was actually asking a journalist who's on the story to say, because it was supposed to be at the end of August, we're supposed to have a decision, it's a county court down down in London somewhere, um, and they had not heard anything. So I'm on it. As soon as I hear, I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, w- one of the most interesting cases that, that I've personally been involved with was the um, Akhtabi Khan case. Ultimately, it led to the wife being able to claim in, against the husband, right? But only having a nakar. One of the things I still have difficulty explaining, particularly in the Muslim community, is that a husband and wife are not legally married if they just had a nikah ceremony. Okay. And that question only came up this weekend where the wife said, I want a divorce. And, as, and, and the first question I said to her is, are you legally married? And she said, yes, of course I am. I have nikah at the at the mosque in Bradford. And I said, no, I mean, was it registered? And she said, no. She says, you're yeah. not legally married. Uh, Zach, if you I had, honestly, if I had a pound every time I get asked that question, literally, I think every day we have a call asking us that same question still. And it still surprises me that we are, amount of awareness work that is going on wow. around sort of the legal marriage that we are still having um people in that position wanting to know whether their marriage is legal or or assuming that there is legal when it isn't so yeah. there's obviously still a lot of work to be done but yeah carry on with the, with the case yeah that that was a case where um it was decided that the marriage was um legal in accordance with the laws of this land because yes. of certain characteristics right Yes, yes. Very interesting case. And it, it was the first time recognition of the nikah ceremony under certain circumstances, uh, which had legal, legal uh, authority. Absolutely. I mean, it is, it is. And, and, you know, if I can come back to what you mentioned earlier, gold is something that obviously, as you said, it's a valuable asset, but mm-hmm. is often disregarded because um, either the courts, you know, don't understand or accept that it's, you know, where it sits. Does it sit yeah. as a dowry? Does it sit as a meher? Does it sit as financial matrimonial property? Because yeah. there's all sorts of determinant factors as to 
how that was brought into the marriage. If it's part of the nikah, meher contract, then as you said, this case going through the county courts at the moment, that is a contractual you know, um, argument. Yeah. Um, we would love to see and, and are working towards the court seeing that um, as something that, you know, the wife should be able to um, have in her own right if it was given to her as part of the Meher contract within matrimonial proceedings rather than having separate litigation. But I think we're still a way off from there at the moment. Um, mm. But valuing that gold is something that is, is causes a lot of issues between parties. Um, in terms of when it was bought, who it was bought for, and, and how it is regarded. Um, I mean, traditionally, it was bought to give wealth to the families mm-hmm. in times of need. Yes. Um, more recently, the shift has changed towards gifting and, um, you know, beautifying, and, and it's something that the, the wife is given and gifted by the families. So have you, have you seen that change in terms of when you've been trying to value um, gold as an asset? <laughs> The gold, I, I, I don't carry out any valuation. So it's a property of an idea, yeah? But I always instruct a professional person because at the end of the day, I my report is there to convince somebody, perhaps the yeah. judge or the other people, if it's litigation, to, to come to my figures. And so I don't actually value, what I value is businesses, right? Yeah. If there's properties involving those businesses, then I get the property experts to value those and sure. reliance on those. So anything like gold or uh, um, things like that, um, assets, works of art is another one. I had a case where people, this was a ridiculous argument, a couple who spent £20,000 on lawyers' fees arguing about who was to take possession or the picture of their dog. The dog had died I've heard of this, Zach. Yeah. The dog had died 10 years earlier. And I think yeah. it's completely disproportionate, you know. Uh, yeah. But as far as valuations are concerned, I don't value. Yeah. yeah. I don't value individual assets. That's right. What about things like um, number plates and cars? You know, you know, are those to be put into the matrimonial pot? Yes, absolutely. And these things are traded on the market and there's a number of companies who will provide a value to, for a number plate, but the real value is not known till it's sold. And what about things like um, vintage handbags and things like that? I know I'm delving into sort of a, a, a new area here, but this is kind of the modern assets that we're, we're looking at and dealing with oh, and yeah, the yeah. arguments that we get given by clients yeah. that, well, She's been investing in ham- in vintage handbags and they will have a value as well. They're not just an item that they use. It's something that she is, you know, some some brands, you probably know, within those will increase in value over time. Yeah, absolutely. And these things these things are real intrinsic values. Uh, again, the courts will, 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 will generally, if the parties agree to a value, which I think is the best way of doing these things, they'll leave the, the, the courts, as you know, will probably agree to the value of a house, you know. Yeah, uh, that's right. In, in the case where I, I told you about this guy with the false accounts, yeah. you know, the easiest things to uh, that they agreed on was the value of their home. <laughs> Absolutely. And that was one of the one of the biggest assets. They agreed, yeah. he agreed, and she agreed, because she lived there and he'd moved out. And mm. he said, we think the house is worth 
this amount? And he said, yeah, I agree with you. And we'll, and the courts just accepted that value. Yeah, We don't know what the real value until it's sold. And Absolutely, same with yeah. works of art. You never know the real value of something, um, a painting, an artwork, um, a number plate, um, specific clothing, for example, mm. uh, a memorabilia, um, for example, a signed autograph of Muhammad Ali, the boxer. Right, right? yes, of course. 250,000. Yeah. Really? 250, <laughs> a signed boxing glove that he used in the fight against Joe Frazier in Manila. Yeah. 250,000. And somebody has to say, well, we think it's worth in this estimate. It's an estimate. Mm. You know? And you accept that or you agree the value between you. Fantastic. So I suppose the take-home tips are try and agree if possible. Oh, yeah. Stay proportionate. You know, yeah. if you're thinking of using a forensic accountant, look at what you are going to be arguing over and see if it, the costs are going to be sort of in line with what you're fighting over. Um, try and sort of be prepared and have proof of any sort of of valuable items and, and look further than the, the usual things, which are your home, your pension, things like that. Um, any tips from you, Zach, about um, how someone can sort of go into um, financial remedy proceedings within matrimonial uh, litigation um, and and overall try and minimise the amount of costs that they incur to, to try and settle uh, as quickly as possible? Obviously, our job is to try and um, help that client move on rather than sort of stringing out the procedure you know there's, there's a lot of emotions involved and if we can deal with it as, as cleanly as possible then ultimately the client will be able to move on with their lives yeah I mean first I'll say that those that are in business and, and, and perhaps very successful businesses right you will need you have your own accountant and and you've taken advice from that accountant but this is a, a legal process. So what you need in a divorce proceeding is a very good lawyer, right? Your accountant may be excellent at what he does, but you need a good lawyer, right? right. And otherwise, don't hold out for things that are, are unrealistic and mm. take the, 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 the costs into account and the overall wealth. I dealt with a case in Leeds by one of the one of the largest uh, law practices, and the issue was this: that this man paid four million pound in dividends per quarter, right? Per quarter, but his wealth was based in Sri Lanka. Okay. okay. They had they said, "Can you go over to Sri Lanka and value all the companies that you've got?" I said, "I could do that, but my personal health is at risk if I go because if a man." can pay £4 million in dividends per quarter, uh, then he must have huge amounts of influence in, a, in, a, in, a, in an Indian subcontinent country. Yeah. And I advised, I was acting for the wife, and I said, here we have a situation where people are telling you that you're entitled to £50 million. Mm. And you may well be. You probably are. But it's going to take years for that to materialize he's actually offering you 13 millions on a property in france 
my advice is take it. Mm. And, you know, she, she said, but I want 50 million because that's what I think everybody's telling me. Yeah. Yeah, you probably are entitled to 50 million, but you're going to have to fight and fight and fight. And, 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 and the story didn't end there because within about nine months, he passed away and the oh. wealth went down to the children anyway. Yeah. So I mean, look at all the circumstances. Absolutely. It's yeah. a great example, Zach, that to illustrate that, you know, often, you know, we will get clients who will say, I want to win. That's but, right. But, but your point beautifully demonstrates there is no winning in this kind no of winning. litigation. No. It's, it's really, it's about trying to get what you need, yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. move on with your life to the, to the next stage. And it's very difficult sometimes, isn't it, to, to get clients to sort of see that point of view. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very much part of, you know, our job as lawyers. We can obviously provide the legal options. Yeah. But you're dealing with somebody who's going through probably one of the most emotional times of their Achoo. life. Yeah. And and to try and get them to trust you to make those logical decisions when, you know, potentially 18, 20, 30 years of knowing that person and experiences and, and all of that. Yeah. And, and some people just obviously take them longer to sort of tear themselves away from that and think yeah. in a logical manner that we, we need to now move to the next phase of our lives and, and they can't let go. And yeah. that very much clouds their sort of decision making. Um, yeah. And it's... Just, it can be quite challenging. Yeah, take the heat out of the, the situation, take the passion out of it, become yeah. logical and talk. Talk to yeah. people that you trust and because talking and mediation is far better resolution, particularly as children involved. Yes. Right? Yeah. The children becomes very, very destructive on the children if parents are fighting about, you know, a picture of a dog, for example, or whatever, as trivial as that is. Right, but it has a a, a, a a profound effect on the family members, the parents, right, of both yeah. parties. You know, yeah. the siblings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So my advice is, if anybody's going through that, talk to somebody who you respect and understand, and isn't involved, is not directly involved, is not a family yeah. member, for example, right? Yeah, and listen to them, and yeah. do not proceed down a hard line avenue you have to have the flexibility of mind to adapt and say is that reasonable you know if i was in his shoes or her shoes would i think that's a fair mm -hmm. deal look at it from the other person's perspective don't try to ruin a business which is the cash cow because yeah. you're going to be vindictive or whatever that's excellent advice, actually, Zach. Um, and from what you're saying, I am guessing that you probably do a lot of work out of your forensic accountant hat, but as a counselling kind of service, uh, not not an official one, but it sounds like you you try to guide and counsel quite a few people from the community that you live in. Do you know when you're in practice like Ivy, the first port of call is the accountant, well, why so <laughs> not, what do I do? <laughs> you know, oh, this has happened, or whatever, and you think, gosh, okay, let's have a chat. And I, I, yeah. I try to say, you know, uh, uh, as, and it's very difficult. It's very, very difficult. You yeah. know, I've had clients divorcing clients, particularly in London, living together, right? Because the one can't afford to move out. The property—that's absolutely true. Yeah, you know, and you have to now deal with that. You know, and uh, mm. you say. 
um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. It, it's been absolutely wonderful to speak with you and, and gain a whole new sort of insight in, into your world um, and how it overlaps, you know, different areas, different professions, accountancy and law. Yeah. And you seem to have quite beautifully combined the two to help people sort of in that situation. So, you know, thank you for everything that you do. You're um, yeah. But um yeah, if, if if anyone wants to reach you are, you, are you working as a consultant now? If anyone needs to contract your services, Zach, where can they reach you? Uh, I'm working as a consultant up and down the country and I enjoy it and I'm passionate. Yes, wonderful. That's a great note to end it on. Thank you so much, Zach Iqbal, for giving us your time. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much, Until Zach. Take care. Again. All right. listening to another episode of family matters by skb law if you're enjoying the show why not listen to our other episodes and let your friends know we'll be back next time with more real talk about divorce separation and everything that goes along with it